Right, it's like in kilometers, so it's like three, about 310, 315, there or thereabouts. It's meant to be 300 from the start, but they extended the first day of the cycle just because it's quite dangerous in terms of like the terrain and stuff that would pop the tires and stuff or more than likely so there's like good news and bad news you probably ain't gonna get a pop tire on this one now but it's 15k longer oh yeah because they changed the trail didn't they yeah on the first day welcome to treasure talks in this episode i'm joined by ant he ran and cycled 315 kilometers over the namibian desert so Happy to have you on. Welcome. I'm looking forward to this, and I've already had a lot of people asking about the fact that you did this uh, run and cycle, and whether I'd have you on the podcast, and they, they can't wait to hear about it. So, um, it was 315 kilometers that you ran and cycled. Yeah, there or thereabouts. So we did um, a two-day cycle, which is just over probably about 210 to 215 uh, kilometers, and then about just over 100 kilometer running over three days. That there, the running each day, is that like a marathon each day and then a half marathon on the last day? Yeah, so the, one of the days, I think it was the first day, was just short of a marathon. The second day was just over a marathon and the third one was just about like, there or thereabouts to bang on a half marathon. I mean, obviously the terrain's like over sand dunes and stuff like that and the first run day, which was day three of the whole event, that was not as many sand dunes, it was quite, quite flat. Then day four was probably the hardest running day because there's like 21 sand dunes to climb over the over the day. Before I like delve into it, yeah. just what kind of level of uh, difficulty was this for you? Is this the hardest thing you've ever done in your life? Or um, there's parts of it that was hard, um, but it also never got even close to breaking me. Um, not mentally, I think like all the preparation and everything I did, and like you just have a switch in you where you sort of like know you're almost like. Almost like you're going to war, like you know your body's going to go through stuff, and you know you're going to like you almost you know anticipate that it's going to be painful. So I think that helps with the pain, like long term. You get what I mean? Like you sort of anticipate you are going to be in pain, and you've got to embrace that in a way. Do you kind of make peace before that it's not all going to go to plan as well? Like things are going to go because that can easily throw you off your game, can't it? Oh, hundred percent, yeah. Like, but that's that's why you train, and uh, you know, like little things like injuries and stuff like that, that that builds the mental strength as well. Like, you know, nothing, everything's not going to go to plan. What you do hope is the things that are in your control go to plan. You know what I mean? But um, and you try not to worry about the things that are not. The things that was worrying you even before the start, like obviously an event like this, you need a strong kit list and the, the event you're doing it with as most will. If you ain't got the kit list that they've sent out, like um, then you ain't doing the event and you've travelled halfway across the world and then you're worrying about, I hope my baggage comes through. Okay, so just for people who are probably unaware, first of all, where's Namibia? Uh, it starts just above South Africa in the uh, African continent. And... What is a kit list then? I'm guessing the things that you have to take out yeah, with you. Yeah, so you'll get sent a list, uh, what was it, about four weeks prior to the event by the company. Um, but they also have got a blog on their website and stuff like that of like things that you're like, more than likely going to have to take from someone who's trialled the event. Because this is the first time this event's ever been ran by this company. Um, so someone has trialled it like one or two people who are involved in the company and they hear it a blog and it's sort of like, this is what you're going to need, this is why you're going to need it. 
um, and you have a kit list and then the day before like you have sort of like a, a briefing and safety day where they check your kit list and they give you random things where they're like have you got this have you got that and if you haven't got it you're either buying it off them if they've got it or if it's something big like a GPS watch like the one I'm wearing now if you haven't got that you ain't competing so these guys who run the company they have to go and physically do it themselves yeah, yeah, first they've done it. They've, most of them they, 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 that's what the company's so good is because they're passionate about it the one who's the one who's uh was running it there jim he was uh he had done it the year before and he would have done it like, he would have been the first thing. person to do yeah, it yeah yeah that, that for that company yeah that must be crazy it's crazy uh, that's like wicked you... how passionate that must be though like yeah. you know like he's obviously he lives and breathes it literally like yeah he might not have ran it as fast as other people and he might not be a better athlete than that person but he's literally practiced what he's preached yeah and then you can look at him and say well do i need this what will happen here what things did they suggest then? I'm guessing, you know, um, you need a backpack and well, things Well, the, like the crucial ones, obviously, like things like running trainers and stuff like that, um, which is obvious. I don't even know why I said that. It's a bit of an obvious one. No, yeah, but I, I want to know the sort of things. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah, um, you think that, but then you'd think, like, I was literally like, you know, I've run in, in very good trail runners and I've run in just general running shoes and I thought what ones would be better for the sand. And to be fair, they're like any trainers. Sand is going to have, like, it don't matter if you've got really spiky... Um, trail runners or you've got normal runners sand ain't going to make a difference it don't give a shit what you're wearing on your feet that's going to get in your feet somehow you know what i mean but the little thing the one thing that really helped out on one of the blogs they literally had a whole separate thing for footwear like probably 40 items of footwear alcohol rub things you wouldn't even i wouldn't even even thought of uh, alcohol rub certain different plasters hapla bands that help with uh like helping with like support your feet supporting injuries and all this and i was just looking at these things thinking you know, I've run a 50 mile, I've run a few ultras and stuff, and I've never even come across some of these things um, because sand will get in your, your feet no matter what, um, no matter what cautions you take. Sand gaiters, another thing, never even heard of. They cover your feet and they try and avoid the sand going in and you still get covered in sand no matter what. Yeah, because surely you're doing five consecutive days eventually the sand and the friction that's going to start really taking a toll mate you see like as the days go on you just see people just like it's quite it's quite a like contrasting in sights you get up the sun rising over the desert you're open your tent and that's breathtaking and you look around everyone's hobbling all over the place because people have got blisters left right and center i was very lucky and i think i was probably one of three people who didn't have no blisters like uh, it's really strange like I'm, i don't really suffer with blisters i've suffered with things wrong with my feet in runs and stuff like that but i've never suffered with blisters it's just not not a thing that happens to me to, like luckily so but you know you got speaking to other people and stuff and one dude had like nine blisters on one foot you know what i mean it's horrendous and it's, he's hobbling and stuff and he still completed it what experience have a lot of the people got that have that are there have they done different runs and cycling before? oh you meet like yeah you meet a lot of like inspirational people on there and that, to be fair a lot of them are older crowd um i don't know why but i think we've talked about this sort of personally and stuff before most a lot of these sports attract an older crowd you know these ultra events these multi-day events they ain't really like 21 year olds and 20 year olds i was the youngest there there's me and another lad who is 30 and the rest are in their 40s and 50s um so they've done a lot like you know a lot of them have done marathon de sabla um, which is uh, not, not one of the most famous uh, ultra, um, multi-day events in the Sahara Desert. Some have run 100 milers in Costa Rica, 
multi-day events in Ecuador. Uh, some of them have done like, you know, um, cycled coast to coast in England, uh, big events in England, cycling events and stuff like that. One lad from Holland who does a lot of cycling in Holland and stuff like that. So it's all over. Like you meet people from all kinds of background for your males, men, um, you know, Singapore, Australia, England, like all over the place. So you're getting like people literally diverse from all sorts of yeah, nationalities. From all, yeah, from all yeah, nationalities and like even even fitness levels. You know, you you think naturally a lot of people who are rocking up are like fit, fit as fucking like you know smashing out things like left, right, and centre. But people are going there just to test themselves as well. Yeah, because I always wonder like how much of it's physical and how much of it's mental and um, yeah, like what what that percentage is because surely fitness can only get you so far in something like that anyway yeah, and i think i think a lot of endurance sports are like as the more it more it goes on um i think you realize how much it is mentally and how much you can endure pain i think that's what a lot of it yeah because um i'm just thinking with that sport as well you're saying people are older but it's probably one of the few sports where you can kind of start fresh if you want. Yeah. You can start fresh and you can start working on it. Yeah. Whereas if you used to start trying to box or um, get somewhere high level in football, if you can't start at, you know, 40. Yeah. But you can probably with running, can't you, if you got the... Yeah, I think that's because there's a lot of different attributes involved in other sports, isn't there? Like, you know, there's reaction speed, timing and you know, coordination and stuff like that are not so crucial in a sport like this as they are in things like boxing, um, ice hockey, football. All these have got different attributes that they need. need, And I don't think running entails that, like, especially long-distance running. You don't even have to be a fast runner. What you need is a strong mental strength, a decent level of fitness, and be able to endure pain that you can stick it out for hours on end, possibly days. Yeah. Before going into... Because I want to ask you a little bit more about like to get you to relive it a little bit because yeah. to me it's mental i was watching you run on the gps and i was thinking oh, i really can't be asked to go to the gym and then there's a view that you could have when i was tracking on the yeah. phone and it shouldn't it show shows the desert i was like fucking hell because you say it and you don't really soak it in when you're saying i'm going to do this yeah. and i was thinking it is impressive but i don't get to see it do you know what i mean yeah, and then yeah. i looked at it on there i was like I've got no excuse to not just walk around the corner and go to the gym when you're doing that. It's madness. But um, first, I wanted to ask about your experience, like the things that you've done. Obviously, I'm aware of um, the past runs that you've done and also the training because what I find interesting is a lot of people, same as in, in boxing and other sports, they say box every day. Some people don't allow themselves the time to improve in other ways with conditioning and um, strength and conditioning and that yeah. kind of thing but you've really been mixing it up haven't you you haven't just been running every day no. I know when you prepared for some other competitions recently you was running once a week was you yeah well the first like the 50k I ran um, which is just over like a marathon distance about five six mile or whatnot and it was a lot a lot of mountains and stuff I only ran once a week for that um, and pretty similar to a few 30 35 36 miles I did and it's gradually increased. But then once it started coming to like 50 mile run, uh, I did in the late in October and then obviously in Namibia, I thought, right, I need to be running. But I still like, ran two to three times a week. It weren't just running. For me, it's, um, to be honest, I, the enjoyment factor of running is not nowhere near as much as the other stuff that I do. 
Um, I do it more to test myself mentally. Like I don't actually enjoy. I won't. Like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I go out and I'm like, oh, I really enjoyed that, but I think I enjoy the reward of pushing myself rather than the actual doing. Like if I run with someone, or if we've gone running or something, I'll run with like a client or you know my girlfriend and stuff like that. It's more enjoyable because. But I think that's the interaction that I'm enjoying. The actual running is boring as shit. And there's parts like whether in the 50 mile or in Namibia, I'm bored stiff and like you're on your own. And you think, why am I doing this? This is really really shit. But then it's the reward then like that you get after, and you're like, I really didn't want to do that, and that's more rewarding than anything. What made you first want to go into running? Obviously, you just mentioned there that you do other things, and you sometimes enjoy the other things that you do. You do a lot of different fitness, um, including CrossFit and just other sports for fun as well. But why, why running? What suddenly got you into that? I can't actually remember like why. I actually did it. I think I seen this company Rat Race who were like, you know, putting events on all over the place and stuff now. I seen like the they call what is it? Um Man vs Lakes that they do in events, so this would have been about eighteen months ago now. I remember just looking at that thinking, you know what, I've never been to the Lake District and it looks beautiful on the picture that they did and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna sign up for that. I think I want a new goal, I'm gonna sign up for it and I thought, Yeah, you know what, I'll do it. Um, so I just stuck alongside like the CrossFit training and stuff like that. Still CrossFit training like four or five times a week, and I was like, I'll just add a running and just see. And I was mainly going for like one. I knew I'd want to quit at some point, um, and two, just to see the Lake District. To be fair, yeah, most people want to see it, and they find somewhere nice to sit and watch the the view. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. you, you've just signed up to since that time. You've accumulated. I don't know how many miles. Yeah, so, you know what I like about running? It's it's a way of travel. Like you can travel and see stuff, and I think uh, that was the big thing that appealed to me about Namibia. Like I don't, you know what? Some things happen in life, and you don't know why you make them decisions. You just do it, and uh, that's happened a few times to me where I've just picked up my bank card and I've just signed up. And I thought once I've signed up, I know I'm going to do it. But now, like, you know, I have to be a bit more careful because like, I've set the 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 standard high for myself now. So the next thing I sign up for, or but in the future. I know I've got to probably make a bit more of a wiser decision on that because it's not like, you know, I flew across the world to Namibia now and done it. So where do you go from that? I can't go now to just run, you know, running a 5K down at the park now because to me that would be like, you know, I want to go to the next level and like I feel like I love travelling and I love training and even though, yeah, I might not enjoy the running as per se as the other stuff, but it's still a great way to travel and still achieve some goals. So you like running because it's a vehicle to, to see sights around the world. Yeah, and, and it challenges me it mentally. Even like flying to Namibia, I flew on my own and the nerves and that, I love that. Like As much as I hate that feeling, like I love that feeling of the nerves and like my ass twitching and thinking, why am I doing this to myself? Like I'm sitting on the plane like trying to block all everything that's coming in the next few days, which is weird because that's a contrast to what I used to be when I was boxing. Like I actually had the opposite of psychology that used to let me down. What? six seven years ago I used to hack them nerves used to get the better of me and yeah it could be argued that it's in a different sport but I also believe that's things that I've practiced over the years like mind training and actually having the confidence and the belief in myself yeah I can see that in you like massively like growing up and changing your mindset and working on it and you've always worked hard on the physical aspect of it but then you just needed to put this other piece where you believe in yourself and now like you say it's a different task but you know that wasn't just an isolated thing the boxing and the mindset in that you now use that to grow as well don't you like yeah. because you kind of 
take a lot from that when you're running I'm sure yeah and I, d- I don't know where that switch come from to be fair like uh, like I said when I used to box and so I used to get nervous when I used to play ice hockey but you also had you also had teammates who can support you along the way so if you you mess up in the sport you've got another four players on the ice who can like, oh, I'll pick that mess up for you or sometimes it won't but at least you go down as a team boxing was an individual sport and for some reason I really struggled psychologically yeah okay there's the, ad- the added thing that you're going to get knocked out but it's still that mental thing where I used to like, you know, I, walk, I, I, I sort of thought about what could go wrong rather than what could go right. And, you know, I was, I was decent and had a lot of potential. And I think the mind thing got the better of me slash a massive injury. Um, but also that, you know, I can't use that as an excuse. I think like my, my mind strength was letting me down. I started seeing a sports psychologist and stuff like that. Um, and then I got injured and then it was all ruled out. But, you know, I don't know where that switch sort of come from where my mind switched where I was like nah dog, I ain't quitting at this and I'm not going to do this and you know instead of starting thinking about the negative I started thinking more about the positive and what what could I achieve rather than what could I not you know I mean that switch and I think prison probably done that to me to be fair because I hit rock bottom and I think like when you when you're uh, isolated on your own with a lot of thoughts with a major back injury addicted to tramadol there's not much that can go worse for me than that, to be honest. That was probably a low point in my life. And then now I just think the only way is up. If you can hit that and come back from that, you can survive anything. Yeah, I think you've always had that switch. And people around you will be aware of that. And yeah. maybe you was the only one who wasn't aware that yeah. you had that. And now you, now you know. But for listeners who, if this is the first time that you've heard of Ant and you're listening to this, um, I encourage you after go back and listen to From Prison to Promise because we talk a little bit more about um, your journey coming back from prison and yeah. uh, a little bit about your boxing career and stuff as well, which is all interesting. But you signed up for this, um, what was it called? From uh, the race? race to the wreck. The um, reason it's called that is uh, I didn't know this till like the, the week I went out there. Um, there's only two desert in the world with a coastline. And that's the Atacama Desert in Chile and the Namibian Desert in Namibia. Um, and the reason this one's so famous and it's called Race to the Wreck is because in the desert, which is also next to a coastline, which are like obviously very rare, um, there's a famous shipwreck called the Edward Bolan. And uh, obviously weren't until I signed up and did some research myself. I'd never heard of it. And it's this massive shipwreck, abandoned shipwreck that's just on the coastline of this desert. And it's like that's where the race ends. It's it. stunning, absolutely beautiful. Since you've done that run, I just keep hearing things mentioned about Namibia, and it sounds like an amazing place. What kind of wildlife is out there then in in Namibia? Uh, well, obviously, I did. Start, obviously, this is separate to um, the actual run, but in the wild, um, I've seen a lot in like safari and stuff, um, like a wild safari. But even on the actual uh, run, you see and cycle, you've seen numerous herds of elephants. I don't even know if it's a herd actually. I think it is, it is yeah. yeah well yeah. some elephants um that's a lie zebras i mean <laughs> yeah yeah so some zebras the yeah. herd of elephants he's called a herd of elephants but <laughs> zebras um and then the seen some wild ostriches um actually going through the desert there's numerous ostrich eggs on the floor and obviously i don't know a lot about wildlife as you've just gathered <laughs> Um, but with that why can't they just call everything yeah one that's thing? what I don't understand like, they're confusing people like, they're, just, like, they're trying to trick people so like, you know the, the zoo people can look more intelligent yeah just call I it the that's same. Out of order. it's like, just a group of whatever. yeah basically yeah because you wouldn't call like you know loads of I don't know English guys and loads of Welsh people different things would yeah. you you wouldn't go oh there's a you know there's a, 
a gang of Welsh people over there, but a herd of people over there who are English. It just wouldn't make sense. That's just... Let's say herd of elephants and a herd of zebra. Uh, but I think you are right. I think it is a herd of zebra. There you go. So yeah, I do yeah. know about it. <laughs> um, and there's like these massive eggs and everyone's arguing, no, that's this kind of egg. And he's like, no, that's an ostrich egg, I'm telling you. And I'm thinking, you don't want to be caught next to one of them in the middle of the desert, dehydrated to fuck, next to a 15-foot ostrich. And um, they're probably the two like two like, frightening things. We've seen... A f- we've seen a few snakes um, and we got warned of certain snakes but you know, you've seen one sidewinder and um, I don't know how deadly they are but you've seen one that was not, not really that dangerous um, but the ostriches are the what, ones what that you snake? a sidewinder I think a sidewinder oh. we got warned about something called a zebra snake which we didn't get told uh, was originally on the uh, like on the blog that they writ and then they told us like the day before we went that it's like the one that like is, is, is actually quite dangerous out there and they haven't got an anti-venom that's what like the medic said was, oh brilliant you t- tell us that now and we haven't been told anything like that um, we've seen uh, seals on the coast on the fi- on the f- on the f- uh, finish line it was just like mad scenery obviously you got this Ed Bolan um, shipwreck and then you got these seals all along the, the coastline like baby seals and stuff like that that was incredible and you got hundreds and hundreds of jackals which um, they look a bit like a dog slash wolf um, but they're more like what we got told more like a scavenger that, although they pick like, they pick something like very vulnerable like a baby seal to eat and stuff like that but like the first time you see see certain new animals to you obviously especially from the UK we haven't really got like you know a lot of wildlife here that's even slightly worrying um, you see these jackals and you're a bit like what the fuck are them things especially if you're on your own and you think of, like you awful and obviously you're tired and stuff as well and you start seeing these things you're like fuck they ain't wolves or whatever but then you realise what they told you and you just go back to that and they're more scared of you than you are of them to be honest um, the one thing I think day two seen two wild ostriches in the distance and I couldn't work out what they were to be honest because I didn't know there was ostriches there <laughs> and I'm cycling along and I'm thinking what the fuck are them in the background and as I get closer I realise there's two massive ostriches just wild and I'm thinking yeah I'm going to avoid them um, it makes you wonder how these things survive out there like it's absolutely crazy because you don't see any water or anything like that obviously there's, there's, there's ways that they do but you're just a bit baffled like and the, the zebras like you'll be pedalling along on your bike and you're going through these mixed emotions of up and down up and down and you'll see like a herd of zebra like run past you and you just stop and it's just beautiful like it's just mind blowing yeah there must be you just mentioned there about a mixture of emotions and it must be like you're going through that struggle you're seeing these beautiful sights and then also you are out there on your own we're used to like rules and i remember going out to like walking a bit of a trek in the jungle for a few hours and there was like a we saw like marks on the ground that um sort of like we thought would be wild boar and it's if they come you know like you need to climb a tree basically to get away from them just to be safe just to make sure and just like being told that we didn't see anything like that in the end um but just being told that you sort of think yeah i'm in a different world yeah there's no there are no rules when it really comes down to it there are no rules it's also similar with like the storm that happened when we were out there and you suddenly realize oh shit yeah there there aren't any rules because we're always putting rules in place here and it's like go to this if this happens go to them if that happens but when you're running and you're on your own then you know that's that but you know what it makes you realize that like like powerful animals are over us when we ain't got nothing and no one like you know like 
you've got no tools or anything like that on you and you've got no one around you, you you're vulnerable as anything to an animal like you know like i said these ostriches like, what am i going to do against two ostriches yeah you're definitely like, not outrunning them no, like they'll run like 40 miles an hour but is there anything actually out there that would do that? Because we kind of assume that when you see it as well, because we're not used to that kind of wildlife. Yeah. Would anything actually attack you? I don't they? think they'd approach you necessarily. Like, um, like I said, the only thing like the medic briefed us and stuff is she was she was South African. She's like, there's something called a zebra snake, um, so, and we haven't got an anti venom here for that. So you would be in a lot of shit if you got bit by that. Um, but like, really, again, like she's like. That I think she said they headbutt you before to almost like warn you that it's gonna it's gonna strike. So I don't think there's necessarily anything there's gonna straight up and just run up and attack you. Only if I imagine if they're in fear and if like it's it's common sense in it. A lot of animal stuff like you keep your distance from two ostriches. Why am I gonna go closer to two yeah. two massive ostriches? Like I'm gonna keep my distance from it. And even things like the eggs and stuff, you avoid them. Like you're seeing them all over this the, the sand. And so I just I literally come off the GPS a little bit, walked around it. Cause you just never know, like, and obviously, if that's mating season and stuff, like, you put yourself in a hell of a situation. Yeah, it's true. I'm just looking at these uh, zebra snakes now, and it says classification, and then in red writing, very dangerous. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> how did you feel about that when they suddenly told you? Well, do not get bit by one of these. Well, right? obviously, like you have a briefing day. Um, so I arrived in Windhock on the the Saturday, and the Sunday we got picked up when we had, we had to meet at a certain point. And then we went to the first part, which is like a place called Nagrim's Farm or something, where the, the event started. And then on the Monday, you had a briefing day, kit check, safety check off the doctor, and then the medic would brief you as well. And like, you you know, you you'd get you'd just get familiar with the heat for a day and stuff like that, being in the desert, eat, eat some food, get some, try and get some calories down you and that before we start on the Tuesday. And I was like, right, the last thing we're going to do is get the medic in and we're going to talk you through the course and everything. The, the medic's there, she starts off talking. She's like, obviously, you've got this, you've got that. And she's like, and someone's like, so there's nothing out here that practically can kill us, really. And she was like, well, there's one snake that could. And she's like, something called the zebra snake. And the whole, like, 40 of us just went quiet. And everyone's looking at each other like, we didn't read that in the briefing that you sold online. And there was like, like if it bites you, it's got an anti. We haven't got an anti venom. If it if it strikes you, and she just sort of hesitated. And everyone, someone's gone, well, well, we're dead. And there's like, yeah, pretty much. So just try like, and someone's like, brilliant. So I don't want to sound stupid, but is it called a zebra snake because it's black and white? And it's like, yeah, that's the reason why. So just watch, just look out for them. And then someone else, to be fair, was like, I've worked here for three years and I've seen two of them my whole life. So the likelihood of you coming across one's pretty unlikely. But still, when someone tells you that shit, it just shits you up. Yeah, no. And it's the last thing you want to hear when you think, oh, I'm going to be cycling on my own. And the majority of the time, you are on your own. Like, there's 40 of you or whatnot start the event. And like, within half an hour, you wouldn't believe how much of a gap there is in between like, the, the people, like how quick it gets split up. So I wanted to talk about like the actual competition itself. Yeah. Have you got the um, kilometers for each day that you know? Like, because there were five consecutive days, weren't they? That you cycled for the first two. Yeah. Then you ran for the other three after that. Yeah. So the first day, um, it ended up getting extended a little bit. It was meant to be something like eighty-five, eighty-seven kilometers. Um, it was meant to be like in their in their uh, words, an easier day. Um, but they apparently the organisers went out in the day, the morning before we got started, come back and they said, right, we're going to change the track a little bit because there's a lot of like you know, uh, fawns and stuff like that on the track, um, and we don't want 
even though we had puncture repair kits and all that, they don't, they don't really want people getting punctures. It just slows the process down and obviously puts people in more, more heat when they don't need to. So there's like, so what we've done is extended it a little bit by 15k. Okay, so the first day we're doing about 105k. Second day was uh, 110 kilometers um, on the bike. And then the next day was about 40k. Second day, third, fourth day, sorry, the third day was 40k. Third day, fourth day was go on. So the the first two were just cycling, and then yeah. the first three were uh, running after. Yeah, that, yeah, and then so yeah, so it was about forty k the first day run. Second day was about forty six k, and then whatever, what's half of that? About twenty three k on the last day. And what? Where do you remember what positions you finished on those? Yeah, uh, first day I finished third. Second day was around about eleventh, tenth on the third day. Fourth day I finished fourth and the last day I, I completed first on the last day so you finished first so, on the last yeah, one as well yeah. so I was the first one to the wreck um, that was an emotional day it was okay. a bit nuts to be fair there's emotions up and down and everything because you actually could like yeah there's some people who were there to test themselves mentally and stuff like that and they're not really there to push to win or even come close to winning on each day um, but there are also people where you're like you've done some beastie shit you know what I mean? So even not, it's not even that. Who gives a shit about the competition? It's like such an achievement for yourself. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Like the amount of emotions that you went like when you see that finish line. It's like the, the beautiful scenery alongside that. Alongside then you think, oh, I am uh, heaps and that are in absolute agony. And you just like oh, I flew across halfway across the world and just completed this. It's like a mad, mad experience. On the first day of uh, cycling, then, because. I don't know how much um, practice you did of cycling, but even still, like you've not done a cycling event before, no, have you? No. So you finished third though on that yeah. first one. Yeah, and so the only two people who beat me uh, was two lads who were actual like regular cyclists. I'd done quite a lot of cycling events, cycle two to three times a week. You know, like putting in the work. Um, like the one who won the two cycling days, he's like doing two to three hours a day on like uh, his turbo trainer in his house and stuff. So that, that's madness so how and they had cleats on as well actually which are like things that clip into your pedals so that you will produce more power each turn and i'm just there in my trainers oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah that's madness so was it slippy yeah it was not having the cleats anything yeah your foot would slip off regular and also because you weren't producing that much power when you're pedaling it in dry dry sand like bear in mind in namibia i think they said they they had one day of rain in the last year so that's how dry the sand was even though you're on fat bikes they wouldn't grip into the sand that well so you're sliding all over you couldn't get going and that would frustrate you and that would slow you down so you're not actually getting much fr well as i'd imagine it's a bit of a stupid question but you're not getting as very much friction no, on the not, sand not to start with once you get going it's okay but you're not really believe it or not like even when you're on a bike you're not really pedaling that fast because the sand is so dry that it's literally not gripping and you're sliding all over the place. Like looking back now, and even at the time, I'd see other people in the distance falling off their bike. You'd look back and falling off the. It's, it's hilarious to be fair. It's like at the time, it's soul destroying because you're thinking, I can't do like, it. And everyone, like, you meet someone else at the pit stop or whatnot, and you're like, How are you finding the bike? And they're like, It's shit. Like, I thought these fat bikes would really, really grip easy, but they won't at all, like, until you get it moving. Did that get frustrating for oh, you? Day two was like, that. You know, you mentioned earlier, like, uh, how, how was it like, you know, like mental strength and stuff like that? I think day two was probably the hardest thing I've done mentally yet. But the rest of it, you know, but not once was it ever, I was ever going to quit. Um, that's what I mean. I never got close to quitting. And that was the only day that really got me. And I think that was just more saddle sores than anything of being in the heat for that long. 
because it's just ridiculous it's never ending it's just savage what are the uh the wheels they're using are they like the 29 inch ones like the real big yeah so they're like fat box so they're a lot, lot, they're a, the wheels are a lot more like uh i don't know i don't know like the uh, dimensions and stuff like that, and like, how fat they are, but they're a lot fatter than like a, t- a standard bike, and they're meant to grip a lot easier. No, would I imagine if you're on a ride bike or something like you wouldn't be getting very far, no, you'd be walking all. with it. But there's times you have to get off your bike and just walk like sand dunes, like you're going up a sand dune and coming back down. And the amount of people that fell off, like one dude broke his wrist, another geezer pulled his back out, one dude hurt his knee. Um, because you're coming down sand dunes with just sudden drops and yeah it's good fun if you survive it one dude had his gopro on and come down and you just see him just go tumbling because the sand's that soft if you hit over like you'll come down sometimes it'll be solid and then out of nowhere it'll just go suddenly soft again so your bike dips and you just go over the handlebars and you saw that happen a few times yeah and you see people going over the handlebars and, left right and saying, no, any bad injuries over. yeah people like i said like one dude broke his wrist people's pulling backs out and stuff and have to pull out on the day and also because you can't really move that quick you're in the sun for so long and obviously it's like what 35 36 degrees like all day and you're like on the on day two he's on the bikes for nearly 16 hours it's a long time to be in the sun at 36 degrees right you know with like hardly any calories in you and stuff like that it's just like just never ending got so many questions what i find intriguing as well is like you're not really into cycling that much yeah. or you're not you know you don't know yeah, the ins and outs of it. About it I know how to pedal it and that's about it exactly so like, this is completely new yet you're fin- getting the finishes that you're talking about and you just with all of it really like just sort of having the courage to just say yeah I'm going to go for it it's like a big thing isn't it because there's probably some little edges that you could probably get from yeah. these things with the bike and yeah. maybe with the equipment stuff and you've never really been too big on it if they didn't send you a kit list you'd probably rock up in a vest well, and shorts yeah well i brought the cheapest cycling shorts possible because i wanted to like just save money i don't want it like the, the whole kit list and that probably comes to 500 600 pound anywhere and then like you know you don't realize how well you actually do till you get chatting to other people i think like you know say, like the one who won it the one day he was that um dutch dude he like i said he cycled quite regularly and the second lad he was like oh yeah I cycle like you know hundreds of miles weekly and he's like oh what do you do like cycling wise and I'm like uh I ain't cycled for I've probably done been out on the bike three or four times in the last three months yeah I said I'd be tempted to do it and stuff I even brought a station we bought from my house and started using it as a washing line like you know what I mean because I only used it once um and they're like what you don't cycle I was like no I was like like you know I've got a bike like one of my friends gave me a bike and I tried to use it as much as possible um, but I ended up just like, you know, I, I used it three or four times and, uh, yeah, just, you know, just pedal as hard as I could. That's mad. So, but it must be like a positive that you can also improve on what you've done with yeah, these yeah, things. Yeah, massively. Yeah, 100%. Like, obviously, there's room for improvement with everything. What injuries did you get riding, like you said, like sitting I mean, on the saddle? S- saddle saw is something I've never experienced in my life. It's like... Day one, like obviously the rockiness of the bumps and stuff on like the, not on the sand, but sometimes you'll go onto more of a rocky sort of thing and the saddle's hitting up into the sores and like, to be fair, I use like chamois cream, which is a really good, uh, what they recommended and it works well for like avoiding blisters, but like, obviously your bone is just constantly sitting on this saddle, like people's taking their own saddles out and things like that, like where you'd probably pick up some time if you knew more about that. You know what I mean? And people are like, oh, what shorts you got? I'm like, why? I don't know why you're in so much pain. I'm just like, 
I got these, man, twelve ninety nine off Amazon, and they're like, everyone's creasing, and like, <laughs> now nah, these are like hundred pound. These are that we brought from proper cycling shops. Like, oh yeah, it's like no wonder your ass is so sore. I suppose it's trial and error with a lot of it, but a lot of them would have done that many things to build up that they've just slowly got that knowledge from yeah, that. Exactly, and um, and then I knew day two. Well, I knew it was going to be brutal. You start at four in the morning because it's that long. 110 kilometers might not seem seem that long to people listening if you're going out cycling out on the road but you're cycling this in 36 degree heat in a bike that's not really grabbing to the floor and you're sore and tired from the next day and you've slept for two hours you know i mean you're getting up at three in the morning while you only sleep in two hours you're not able to you're just not able to get comfortable yeah you can't really get comfortable and then it didn't help that two tents down there's two like people who literally like you hear snore like in a cartoon where they're literally like, oh you'd have to grab them and just you should have all picked their tent up and ran them well, off after, yeah after three days everyone did decide people thought like, I can't be asked for this anymore and we moved the tent like probably 100 metres from everyone but that one day in particular going from day one to day two they did actually warn us on the they brief you like the night before for 10 minutes and whatnot. and there was like uh, tomorrow's going to be a tough one you're going to be on the saddle a long time and that morning, like, I woke up, I'd my you know, and your eyes are burning, you're that tired, and you're thinking, I don't want to really do this, to be honest. But you're going to crack on, and you know, it's pitch black. And um, I sat on the saddle, and as soon as I sat on there, I thought, this is going to be a long-ass day. This is because I felt like the sores and stuff on my ass, and I was thinking, this ain't going to be fun. Don't worry, the first 20K. And what I, what I learned on that, that whole thing, never believe any race organiser, because they're going to bullshit you. Because obviously they want what they want you to like, you know, enjoy the experience as well. And I was like, oh, blood buzzing. The first twenty k is flat. Yeah, it might be flat, but over all these bumps and the saddles just riding up into my sores. And I'm thinking, this is horrendous. And you're in the pitch black. And you know, eventually you get to your first sand dune, start trying to pedal up it, and it just won't grip. So you end up having to push your bike up it, cycle back down. And you're seeing people dropping like flies with back injuries and knee problems and stuff. It's Did, crazy. Does a lot of people drop out? Because that's what I was wondering. Over five days, um, there's 40 people. Some people uh, did just run only. Some people cycled and ran. But the combination of all, only 13 people finished every stage. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's out of 40 bad. people. Where did you finish overall? Don't they didn't they do really that? Do, they didn't do like an accumulative. Like, like, um, so I couldn't even tell you. Um, like I said, only 13 people finished the whole thing every stage. Um, but it never got accumulative scores. I'm not really on Facebook and stuff, but I went on Facebook because of the updates and stuff with that company, and that's the best way they can obviously approach so many people. But as soon as I finish the event, I come straight back off it. Um, so I don't even know if they've released accumulative scores, but um, according to the race, it's called Race to the Rex, so I'd imagine first first person there sort of wins the event i suppose yeah well because you'd have to be up there with the lowest you fin- well with 13 finishing and your lowest finish being like 11th yeah. and then um but like you say it's more of like competition against yourself which yeah you always and i think is. a lot of them like sort of long like multi-day things like that are uh that's what it's about i think a lot like even they get chatting to people and stuff they've done the 100 milers in costa rica and stuff i think you know, it's pushing through that pain and sort of like, oh, I, don't, I want this to be over and stuff like that. That sort of mindset where you're just pushing through constantly. And it, it teaches you a lot, like, you know, even to even since I've been back, like, what, seven, seven eight weeks or something like that, probably there or thereabouts. And, like, I think it's got such a good crossover into life. 
Um, and I remember one of the more experienced guys, he was like 52 and like sort of had a little bit of a man crush on him. Like I was just like, yeah, man, you're, a, you're an absolute machine, not mentally, physically and stuff. And um, and some of the things he's achieved in his life and stuff, like I said, he's done Marathon de Sabla, he's done 100 miles in Costa Rica. And he was he even said like the day, the first day I met him, he was like, you complete this, you change you as a person, man, because you've achieved something a lot of people are not going to do in their lifetime. And he said, and it just gives you this aura about you where you just sort of like, yeah, man, I've done some something really powerful, man. Like, and I've done that off my own back. And most people's going out there with buddies or, you know, friends and stuff and like, you know, try and complete it together, which is lovely. But there's only three or four of us who was there on our own. And, uh, you know, like the whole the whole process of just flying on your own and stuff. Like with a friend and that, I imagine you're quite excited a little bit more where on your own, you've got so much time to think. But that's all part of the journey as well. You know what I mean? And like you say, that you're on your own on times in the race. So that as if you if you're with someone, you may I don't know how they do it, but they might wait for each other. Yeah, and stuff. but there's, there's been times like uh, one particular event. Like I did the midnight marathon, which is like run over Penny Fan in Wales, and um, I did that on my own. And I got overtook in the last five k, where I would have been like top twenty, and I ended up finishing like thirty first. And I got took over by numerous people, and they was all with people. And I, I remember thinking back then, thinking, that's because I'm on my own, that is. Yeah, and you could argue, yeah, I should have got a stronger mental state. But because you're with a pal, it's sort of you're both pushing each other. And it's sort of, come on, man, you're in pain. But when you're on your own, you're just battling with yourself the whole time. But again, that's the, that's why I do it as well. But it also can let you down at the same time. Yeah, I can see as well, like you say, once you've done it, it must change you as a person. Because you're, going, you're throwing yourself into something, into the deep end, which is what you've done with each running event you never did a marathon you just literally went ultra marathon then tried all these different competitions but you're doing something and then you're getting the result and it must be like must be mad to think oh you are your own limitation yeah yeah yeah, 100% yeah and I think and every everyone you achieve you realize you've got more especially when you go that weren't even close to breaking me and that 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 in itself's power more powerful than finishing the event because you realize you have got more in there and I think you know, you hear a lot of people talk about mind strength and stuff, and it's like you said, you are your own limitation. Like, and it's like everything's a threshold, isn't it? Like, I'm like, right, that was a threshold, and like, I've pushed through that threshold. Now I can now I can go to the next stage, and then you start thinking, well, what's the next step? It might not be food in the morning, food in the afternoon. You go, right, I want to limit that food, and I want to try and do it with less calories and stuff like that. So the next stage, you go, right, what races do they do where they don't have food in the morning and food after the event? You go marathon de sable where you carry on a wee food and you do that and then you go where's the next one now like literally the possibilities are endless like so hang on they they have ones where the routine of eating is different and yeah well obviously this one we wake up and we have breakfast at the group they've got logistic teams and stuff like that so it obviously helps you you ain't got to worry about that and you get a decent breakfast you get a good like final meal on the evening where like things like Marathon de Sable, from what I've been told by people on this event, like you say, so I think it's a six day event. You have to have your own calories in your rucksack for that. Like they give you a certain amount of water a day, and let's say seven liters a day, and everything else you have to carry. So if you don't, if you, like over the six days, if you don't, you know, um, if you get all fourteen thousand calories, which is the limit I think you have to have um, in two days, you're fucked. So you've got so they're giving you something like a minimum amount of calories they say 
again like a little bit of a list to help you and you'll have to have a kit check for that so like that's probably say like for instance you're 14,000 calories minimum to last you over the six days and what's the purpose of you having to do that self-catering and doing it for yourself i say i say self-catering like it's a holiday i just think that's the, <laughs> holiday. I think that's the next step i think that's the next step, the, the next point in the mental strength that you have to go shit because then you have to worry about having enough calories each day and you have to carry everything yourself it's not as assisted in there yeah, that's the right word it's not as assisted so i think that's the next step for me or do another one where i go you know like if i want to see that country the reason i went to namibia like they do a few events one was panama and one was namibia and i was like you know what i'm probably never going to visit namibia and that's what stuck out to me i ain't really a country i know a lot of people have been to and i was like i want to be someone who's ran across it and seen it in the best possible way like i'm probably never going to meet anyone friends and especially in my immediate circle that have done something like this you know what i mean it's like it's nice i want to see things that people haven't experienced in life yeah seeing something different and seeing it in a different yeah. way that that's just mad the the whole making it harder for yourself with the um taking your own food and stuff as well uh one thing i was going to ask as well is what were the battles like internally because there must have been a lot of internal battles with you was mentioning you were on your own other people were like, budded up sort of thing yeah what were you having the because even training for me just exercising i'll have a little argument with myself yeah, every yeah. now and then where yeah. i try not to talk myself down in my head as much as possible because it's something that naturally a lot of us can do just day to day but there are times with training where i have to say sort yourself out stop being a pussy and yeah. get up and then i'll do it but i can only imagine with so much time to think on your own what what kind of what one of the biggest ones got it's got to be hunger like you're constantly hungry um obviously i'm vegan as well so i was quite limited to food and stuff out there like even though like rat race the company did quite a good thing in like providing certain things at pit stops and stuff and like mornings but i was definitely a cali i lost a stone you know what i mean i lost a stone in a week's time um which is you know would have been water weight and stuff like that as well well that's a lot of weight to lose in a, in a week's time and um so i think hung, you're always battling with hunger but then it also makes you realize that you can battle that in your mind you know what i mean it's, it's just a state of mind hunger is like you're thinking i'm hungry and like you know when i'm at home i eat regularly and stuff like that from all the training but you realize how much you could, your body's actually capable of yeah and how comfortable we are when yeah. we're sitting here yeah you know just munching away and stuff like that eating every well whenever you want really you know what i mean you realize how much it's actually a luxury so it teaches you that discipline but it is also the battle is that life. and you know what it is as well it's the battle of like almost just in, i know it sounds so mad but in i know i've said it a few times but embracing the pain is sort of like part of it it's just sort of like this isn't it's quite nice <laughs> Okay. It's hard to explain, but it's like because you know the, what the reward's going to be at the end of it, so you sort of go, yeah, it's painful, but you can you also learn how to block that pain out. You're like, yeah, my, my legs are aching and that, and so you have to f- you have to think of other things. Like I don't even know where your mind sort of goes, but you sort of just start taking in, in the environment, and uh, you, you just sort of like tell yourself like this is beautiful, man. It's almost like it's, you're not lying to yourself but you sort of are at the same time you're like this is beautiful because of course it is beautiful the desert's stunning but then you're also using it as a purposeful distraction as well so is it a case of you know being you can't lie to yourself because you'll know but you're shining the torch on things yeah, that yeah. Are a bit more positive yeah yeah exactly that yeah and you're like right I'll, I'll get to the next pit stop in in 
well, you think it's going to be 40 minutes. It, 10K would be 40, 50 minutes on road. But when you're in a desert, it takes you two hours. You know what I mean? And you try and focus on one thing and you go, you just, you know what? You just put your foot in front of like one foot in front of the other and you focus on the next sand dune and you go, you know what? And you almost do have a little bit of disappointment. You come over it and you go, the next pit, pit stop should be there. Where I can fill my, my water up because it's gone warm and stuff like that. But it makes you realise that a lot of stuff you just you just ignore a lot of it like and how much how many luxuries we do actually have like you're like oh i'm drinking warm electrolytes here and it's disgusting and you're just like who gives a shit <laughs> it do don't you, mean nothing do you have to surrender to the pain does it feel like you say right this is what it is rather than worrying about it you have to kind of surrender to it and say you know it's it is what it is yeah you see, and that's yeah that's all part of embracing it like you realize the aches and pains and stuff and you go my hips are really tight and my this and that However, it don't really mean fuck all because I've got to do it no matter what because I'm not going to stop. You know what I mean? And people would be stopping. And then, you know what? You see other people and you sort of, you see their stopping. I'm like, whoa, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? You see, like, it's harsher feel for them people. I'm like, oh, I'm gutted for them that they haven't been able to complete it because they flew out here just like I have. But I was like, oh, I'm not being that guy. Like there was day two where because of the saddle sores and stuff like that, and uh, it was dark. I did start off a lot slower, so I ended up like bunking up with these three geezers and uh, really nice dudes. One was from Birmingham as well, but he lived in Singapore. I got chatting to them and I was enjoying their company while we was all progressing. And it got to a point where the cut-off time started coming in, where like literally you get pulled. Like if you don't start hitting pit stops at certain points, then the company would take like a decision themselves and say, "We don't think you're going to get to the finish line. So like, we're going to boost you up a bit." which means you haven't completed the course. And I was like, that ain't happening. I was like, I ain't being one of them guys. I was like, no, nah. I was like, I'm going to shoot, man. I felt guilty leaving them that I'd just rid for like, what, six, seven hours with them. And I was thinking, but well, I ain't being one of them geezers. I was like, I ain't, I ain't that, I, that's not what I've come here for. Like, I'm, I've come here to complete the whole thing. And some people was almost like accepting like, the experience, which I rate as well. Like, you know, they've still got an experience that most of the people in the world won't have. But I was like, I ain't being that guy. I'm like, fuck this, I'm putting my foot down. And then, I just blocked out the saddle source for three hours and just put my head down, just pedalling one foot in the front of the other. I like, ended up catching other people up then. And I was like, oh, buzzing. Like, I'm in safe zone again now, but that was never going to happen. Like, I would have picked the bike up and fucking started running with it if that was the case. What, were there any times where it was the opposite? You were riding and feeling a bit down and then someone would catch you up and you'd think, oh, fuck's sake, oh, my pace has uh, slowed down too much. Do you know what? No, talk, no that never happened. Not once, because the gap's so huge. The only thing that happened, I caught other people up because, um, and that's not saying I caught them up and I finished at the top because sometimes they were so far out of reach. But the, like, the, the two two um, memories I got of actually catching people up, to be fair, one of them had to stop his throwing up from heat stroke and he ended up having to like get pulled by the uh, you know the medical team and because like, the, the sun had hit him. Like, You've been in the sun for 14 hours, like, you know what I mean? Really dehydrated. And like he had to sit down, he's throwing up, and he's like, you know, his skin colour had changed and everything. And like, but I, I can, to me, I don't know where like that switch happened, but I just, that weren't ever going to be me. And that's no disrespect to other people. But I was like, oh, I can't be that guy, man. That's not what I've come out here for. I would have felt like I'd let myself down. Yeah, and you went out there on your own, so you had to keep that competitive edge of yeah, you yeah, there yeah. for yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I remember saying to my girlfriend, like, I texted her, and I just said, as soon as I landed in Windhock, I felt like a switch had gone off in me. Like, I felt different and it's hard to explain. But I was like, nothing's stopping me on this trip here. I haven't flew this fucking far. 
to not complete what I've set out to do. I haven't spent the money to get here and on the on the event and the equipment and stuff like that to go. You know what? I might come back next year and do it. And I don't want to go back to Namibia. Look, it's a beautiful country and I did everything I wanted to, but I don't want a reason I have to go back and do something. When I was watching the GPS, you could see the big gaps. Yeah. You had uh, two or three in front yeah. a lot of the time. Then you had like another group quite far behind them. And then after yeah, that, then it was load, huge. Yeah, it was, it was a huge gap. That's generally what you had all, all, in every day, that was. So I, I was looking at that thinking you could easily be on your own there. And it does feel very, I don't know, primitive in a way. Like you, you're out in the desert and, you know, like you say, you're seeing wildlife and stuff. And there's no limits to what can happen. Yeah. And you, know, you, do, you do have time to, like, you, you, you'll pick on spots and you'll go, I really, really hope that's the next thing. And, and you get there and you're like, it's not. And you go, oh, I'll have to deal with it. But I hope that bit's that bit that I want it to be. Oh, it's not. And that would happen not numerous times a day. And then at the end, look, it's just like you cross the finish line. It's like, oh. right, yeah. And then you have to prep yourself for the next day. You know what I mean? Like that one day after day two where we were switching from bike to run. Um, we got in at like 10 to 8 at the night and we was going again 6 in the morning you eat and you go to sleep and you're back on it again so you could never take it for granted like just because you've done one day you had to you know what I had to remember and I had to really check my ego is because I'm so competitive in that as well obviously day one I com- not completely inferred don't really do a lot of cycling I had to really went to a fat them saddle sores I was like you know what this is a 5 day event this and a 2 day event I was thinking my aim is to finish this to the best of my ability, not to go against everyone else's, and I had to have a proper chat with myself and go, nah, I need to chill out today, man, because I'm going to fuck myself up tomorrow. And then obviously I recovered well and then ran really well on thing, and I got better as the running went on because I, was, I reserved myself where you could tell people was deteriorating because I was pushing themselves too much. You also got to have a chat with your ego and realise what you're capable of and not compare yourself to others all the time. That's a weird thing, and it's difficult to gauge where you're at, I suppose. And that's where experience comes into these kind of things because if you get the competitive edge, that can help you finish higher. But yeah. it can also, I didn't think of that, what you just said. It could also be like the... A downfall. Yeah, it could be your downfall yeah. where you're pushing yourself harder than what you can actually yeah, last. Yeah. And then day three or four, you end up saying, I'm, I can't take anymore. That's where it's such a big difference to one day to five days. That's a different ball game. You're almost talking different, strat, completely different strategies. You know, you could go out on a marathon, even in the desert or whatever, and go hard for that one day because you know you're done. But, you know, if you operate at 100%, you know, 95% of your running or your cycling, you could burn yourself out and then you, you're operating at 20%. Or if not, you know, let's knock this on the head today. Like, but if you, you know, operate 70% every day, like consistency that's going to get you through that like it's like anything any consistency wins at life like you know what i mean if you you can stretch for three hours on a monday and then not do anything to the following monday but if you stretch for 20 minutes every day the body's probably going to be much better off with that it's the same with anything yeah and no, that's a good thing like you said earlier with the transferable skills is things like this suddenly come to light don't they and it's true like consistency just definitely trumps anything yeah. else uh you know, you can try and get things perfect or whatever, but exactly. if you if you do it every day, it's a different so ball game. That's why I believe there is a, a more of an older generation in them sort of sports, especially multi-day ones, because you will get, like, say, someone any, more inexperienced would try. Well, I've got a prime example for this, actually. There was someone on there that ended up having a panic attack and had to get rescued by the medical team. 
because it did it competed really well the first day but struggled he used to do a lot of like really competitive triathlons and he's a bit older than me so say 32 33 and he's actually a sports um uh like psychologist for a job um and so he competed a lot a lot of triathlons first day did decent second day had to quit because his back was home which fair enough you know at the end of the day if you've got an injury you got to think long term and you don't want to damage yourself like in his job and stuff as well day three he was like yeah he completed it and done quite well he finished higher than me day four we got to the first pit stop and uh he was, he was like it sounds weird but he's eating really aggressively and uh i just got an image mate, of mate, it it's hilarious though it was hilarious i've got an image of everyone like just, just watching him like yeah because obviously everyone's in pain and stuff and everyone's hungry and like, when you get to the pit stop you obviously do feel hungry but everyone sort of just like you know, no one said anything everyone's eyes are going you're just yamming like, absolutely like, yamming is the right word because I'm oh, just throwing it down everyone's like the fuck's he doing and he just shoots off with like, the, the sandwich in his mouth like 100 miles an hour sprinting we got to the pit stop too which was usually about the halfway point and everyone's like oh has anyone seen I'm not going to say his name anyone seen blah blah and he's like yeah yeah he come through here like eating another sandwich like proper aggressive and everyone's laughing and then all of a sudden like, we're on our route and I, I got set off with one other dude I'm like, what's that? I'm just seeing this flashing, like, because you have to use a mirror. Uh, you have to have a mirror as one of your kit. This case, you get trapped, or you, you know, you, you don't know, you fall over, hurt. You think it's a good way to get attention from the sun. I'm seeing this reflection. We're like, who the fuck's that? So we go over to it. His gears had a panic attack because he's, he's hit it 100 miles an hour, man. You can't do something like that 100 miles an hour. You're not taking into consideration anything. And his competitive edge got the better of him. His ego got the better of him. And he had to pull out the whole event. And you're just like, so imagine trying to do that over five days. And you know what? I looked at that situation. I was like, "Are you okay? Have you, have you got water? Have you got this? Have you got something to put over yourself? We're going to get to the next pit stop. Try and tell someone to come out." And then I just thought, you know what? I looked at that situation. I had a reflection on myself, and I thought, "I'm so pleased what I did on day two because I would have been that guy, man, if I went out." And I was just like, sometimes having like an ego check and just realizing who you are rather than comparing yourself to everyone else. And that's what he did. He compared himself because. People's having banter and stuff like he, he was like, oh you know I used to do this and I used to do that and now I can't finish this and now I can't and people are like well you pulled out because you hurt your back yeah I hurt my back and you could tell that day he wanted to set like try and prove something and it fucked up because he went hundred miles an hour and you can't do that in them sort of conditions man and I was just like looking at it, and like I said it's a reflection on myself I was just like I'm so glad I walked away that obviously not buzzing he's stranded in the desert but I walked away thinking that would have been me that would have man. Yeah, you you were just happy to have learnt the lesson yeah, man. already. Yeah, man. Because that, like you say, one of probably your main um, attributes would be like being competitive. Exactly. But then you have to have a balance of it. Would you? It's a good example, and it's something that the fact that you said he's thirty two, I think, says a lot as well. Because these things you only learn from experience. 100%. It's like the CrossFit tournaments and the a lot of the long distance stuff. You have to learn over time. Like you aren't gonna. Yeah be able to like i said earlier you can you you can do it whilst you're older and there's you can sort of dive in and compete yeah but i think if you're going to perfect it and find out more about yourself it's going to take a bit more time isn't it with the experience and you gotta come back to like like you always have to go like why am i doing this like i'm not doing it for anyone else i'm doing it for myself and you gotta realize you're on your own journey so you don't even matter like you know you know it don't really matter you're on your own journey and it's like, I think I learnt that massively going to a yoga class a few years ago. Like, I'm in there, like, that 65-year-old woman's like, outstretching me. And I'm nearly pulling my back out, like, at a yoga thing. Because I'm like, I'm lean, athletic, I can do this, I can do that. But, like, you know what I mean? You have to go to your, your yeah, yeah, push yourself, but to still your limits. There's a, there's, a, there's a fine line of doing that. And that guy didn't know that. 
and he, he, he didn't realise his limits or if he did and he pushed through them and you fucked yourself up and that can happen in any respect with there's a few things like uh, logistically I wanted to ask about so you mentioned he had a, a mirror yeah that was the way you call for help yeah, or was yeah, that yeah, official, yeah. officially the thing you do yeah, yeah that's what there's a mirror on the actual thing they won't let you run without a mirror and you have a whistle as well Oh, and you just use yeah, those to get pretty useless when you're on your own in the middle of the desert because well, yeah. like, it's sort of just like you know someone's obviously close but the mirror I'm not you know what I'm actually pleased I experienced it because I used to think I'd borrow my girlfriend's mirror like that she puts makeup on and I'm thinking what the fuck am I going to use this for and then I was like oh, I was actually impressed because like, I was sort of oh, that actually works quite well like, are you okay we couldn't hear him so we went a bit closer are you okay yeah I had to use my mirror I've had a panic attack man like I've been with him. So I was like, and I was like you know I was analysing the situation he's telling me he's panicking I'm thinking that mirror worked quite well, man. I was like pretty chuffed <laughs> so, in the mirror. So I know that for future, then I'll take it out. Yeah, but we don't get any sun in the UK. <laughs> yeah, so that's true. On the canal. We'd just be uh, seeing the wind, yeah. whatever. <laughs> that would be no good. Um, what about water then? Like You were mentioning that you had to refill water and it was warm. So obviously you didn't finish it in between every time no like because it tasted that disgusting like, m- most times yeah i had electrolytes one thing i worried that i do happen a lot when i run is cramp and that's one thing i really didn't want to do on this this event i really wanted to make sure i was on top of my hydration um, but i took some salt tablets which are like potassium sodium and stuff like that, like magnesium and i took one of them like every hour and a half uh, as well as water and i put some like um green electrolytes and stuff which is uh had, had some good stuff in and I didn't cramp once, so I must have got my hydration on point. But um, you fill up in the morning with a hydration bladder, which is like comes around the side, and it's like um, you can suck it out as you're going along. And then I also had two 500 uh, collapsible bottles in the front as well, so I was carrying like. You so know, did you have like a there. camelback yeah, um, yeah, you backpack? Have to, you have to have one of them as well. That's part and parcel of it. Um, what else was I going to ask there? Um, but the hydration, like you, um, like put into context you don't realize how much you're drinking throughout the day because how much you're losing like day two of like i said i was in the sun for about 16 hours in the full day i drank about 21 liters of water and i didn't piss for 14 hours and when i did piss it was like bright orange like that's how dehydrated you are so that, no matter how much you think you're taking stuff in it's just not enough that's nuts because like you say the amount of um water that your body's using, but also the calories. How many calories were you burning? Oh, day? like my watch. Uh, like obviously it's not guaranteed, but like my Garmin watch that I mean, But I'm pretty sure it's quite accurate. Like uh, first day was like eight thousand five hundred calories. That's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah, because you can't. So there's only so long you can do these kind of. Um... Yeah, like that's probably why there's limitations on like five six days because what you know what I mean. But you know what. These races are getting more and more extreme, and that's not even one of the extreme ones. You got things like Moab two forty and stuff that like elite level runners are doing this and stuff. It's like you don't like we talk about limitations of the mind. There's also a worry inside of that as well, though, because yeah, we might be able to complete it because our minds can be stronger. But also, is that is our minds eventually going to be the worst of us and actually be too bad for our body? Yeah, you've got obviously <laughs> as you start to unlock your own potential yeah. physically, you. Like a lot of us probably, you know, we only function on ten percent of yeah, our yeah. physical because yeah. our mind is limiting us. Yeah. But as you say, there, 
if your mind gets that strong and then you exactly. get a taste of it, then you might overdo it because to where you, your body can't keep it. Yeah, because no, they're running these events in all different climates and stuff now. Like, and there has been like companies where they've had deaths and stuff like that because people probably think that like, they've, they've tapped into their mind, which is like wicked, great. But then has that pushed their body too much for physicality? And then it's actually been like you know sort of like contradicted themselves because it's like the mind's really good and my body's not really capable i'm gonna push it anyway and then they fucking died it's what we said earlier it's all balance and that's part of it it's a lot of problem solving within it that a lot of people want to think about whether it's ego uh being competitive um when you drink and eat and also this like we're talking about what injuries did you have other injuries then you talked about the sores was there any other nothing uh, in terms of like proper injury I had like a lot of sores from like uh, on my back and stuff like that but I never come off my bike like I fell off it like but not huge Um, obviously you had things like sunburn but I never really had any blisters and I was very very lucky um, I had a lot of knee pain in my left knee, but I get that a lot running anyway. Didn't you lose your sunglasses? Yeah, I did. On that, that's, and my eyes were fucked actually. But like, um, I lost tread on my sunglasses on the day two, and I literally cycled like the whole whole day, sixteen hours in the sun, and my my eyes just felt like the red raw from just like the sand and stuff. Um, but yeah, in terms of injuries, apart from my knee swelling up and stuff, but like I said, that happens on every long run I do. It's just that's one of the things you have to accept huge disadvantage with the glasses what what other uh, injuries did people sustain then um, a lot of back problems from the cycling obviously ankle problems the main thing is foot care didn't foot, foot care was ruining people didn't someone break their wrist yeah he fell off hand. the bike yeah he fell off the bike <laughs> but that's the one I had a man, man crush on that was and he just carried on without it um, and then they told him he had a fracture and stuff in his wrist and he just literally being, but he also told me he did a hundred mile in Costa Rica and practically really damaged his knee, swollen up and everything at mile 60 and just strapped it up and carried on. That's the kind of mentality that, you have to you have, have to in a way. Yeah. Like yeah. That's, a, again, balancing it so you don't overdo it. But you hear, like, David... Got, uh, is that his name? David yeah, Goggins. Goggins. Yeah. And he's, like, what he does and the injuries that he fights against. Yeah, it's crazy. It's not enjoyable, but, like, you know what? Your body will heal itself and that's what you got to tell yourself in an event like that. Obviously, we're, we're in the new year now. What would you say to people either looking to do something like that or even just do their own challenges? Like, would you have any advice or anything that you learnt from putting yourself out there with this? You know what, whether it's like uh, aiming high at that and you're coming from no fitness or whatnot, um, I'd just make sure you're consistent with all your, your goals. Like, I wouldn't set a big goal like that if you can't get out running two to three times a week or train two to three times a week. It's like, it's like anything like we talked about earlier, consistency is key. And if you can't keep that consistency with any form of training you ain't got a hope in hell in surviving something like that because you do yeah okay it's mostly mental strength but you do have to have a good base of physical physical uh, fitness yeah it's probably worth noting there as well that you have actually been fit and i can't think of anyone that i know that's fitter than you and yeah. we try we train with a lot of people yeah you've been do, living this for, for years, years. Yeah. i think you've shocked a lot of people with like the endurance you've got now yeah who didn't who weren't aware because you've boxed you've played ice hockey you've done these different sports that are different energy systems yeah but i don't think people were aware of how how the endurance you already had they feel like it's quick that yeah, you've managed to yeah do yeah it. i think like yeah i've always been fit and stuff and like obviously added the mental strength and stuff like that that's created obviously more endurance athlete and stuff but yeah my, my, my advice would be stay consistent with any training set some smaller goals and see if you can hit them first if you can't hit them then 
you're more than likely not going to be able to do a big goal so just break it down into little little sections first and achieve them and that'll be rewarding in the long run anyway because you actually have some uh success along the way how do you feel now being this side of the event and completing it like you did uh buzzing but yeah i'm really happy with it like uh, obviously it's a life-changing experience i enjoyed it um it just makes me want to do more things and just aim higher has it changed your life now then you think um it makes me want to travel a lot more with it um and even little things like uh for instance uh, two nights ago i didn't get to sleep when i wanted to and i was like oh, i literally got a full day's work tomorrow and i'm gonna be you know sleeping for four hours because i've gone to bed too late and i can't sleep and stuff and, and i always go back to but you slept for two hours and then cycled 110 mi- uh, kilometers so who gives a shit like <laughs> literally little things like that I you like know what that. I mean? It don't like you. You always you always compare it to that now because I'm just like it don't make a difference. It's gonna be all right. You'll be fine tomorrow. And then even if like you know oh, I've got I've got to do some deadlifts today. I've got to do this this workout today. And I really can't be asked. Now I've, I've used it several times already. I've gone cycled across the desert with two hours sleep. Who cares? Like I said, use a use a negative that it seemed then into a positive into your life now. Yeah, I like that. That's wicked as well because yeah, you know now now you know there's no hiding yeah, from what exactly. you can do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it really, unless you want to add anything. But yeah, it's been inspirational, like what you've done. And people, I said, have already asked me if I'm going to do this because yeah. you've inspired them and that's that's good. That's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But uh, anything else you wanted to add? No, nah, man, all good. I've enjoyed it. We could do with like building you either like a podcast or a YouTube or blog or something eventually. Yeah, Because good. you've got a lot of stories. As I said, we've already done one podcast on... Um, when you went to prison, your boxing, and then you've also got um, a lot of the fitness stuff and and the running and everything yeah. as well. So yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, nice one for coming on. I think um, I think it's something that I've delayed, but I wouldn't mind starting a blog and stuff about uh, experiences and stuff that I've done. I've delayed it a bit, but uh, it's something I'd, I would like to start. And I think uh, so in the future, obviously you can collab with you, and you can like maybe get it out to some viewers who have listened to this, and that that'd be good. Yeah, and because the other thing we didn't even mention in this is that you were told once that you'll be paralysed and or you, or you could be yeah, paralysed. Yeah, if your back got any worse. And yeah, because like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and then the things I've like, done now is just sort of like goes against that. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. If that's not inspiration for people's uh, yeah, then I don't know what will be. But yeah, we'll do it again. We'll probably have a, more of a casual one on here as well. Yeah, sounds uh, good. Yeah, but nice one. So, see Peace. you. Bye.